please give us a follow on Spotify. It really helps out and you will get a notification every time we release a new episode on Monday. Welcome to the Ignition Podcast. Today's guest is Daniel Truman. Daniel is part of the Team Hard Academy Racing, and in this episode, he opens up about his problems dealing with Crohn's disease and his sexuality and putting all together that as such a young package, navigating through the twists and turns of motorsport and how he felt his journey's gone and his hopes for the future. I can't wait for you to meet Daniel. So get switched on. Here we go. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Yourself? I'm very good, thank you. So, a question I like to start with is, what ignited your passion for cars and motorsports and all things four-wheeled? So, originally, it was the F1 title decider in Brazil 2008, um, which is kind of initially what um, sparked it all off for me. But shortly afterwards, I started going to a local kart track, and then kind of from there, just things slowly built up. But, yeah, my initial kind of interest in motorsport or anything four wheels did come from uh, that title cider in 2008 and so how old were you there 10 i believe yes yeah. yeah, so that's pretty young so you've clearly had a um a deep a deep root within karting and stuff and, and formula one and motorsport so what was that like growing up with watching the f1 what did you what did you feel when you watched the races so initially, I say a lot of it was you know through my dad. So he was he's always he's always been more into bikes, um, but Formula One was always on the telly, um, you know, just in the background sort of thing. And it just gradually again kind of grew more and more of an interest in it. But it was it was always something that attracted to me, you know, kind of the speed of it all, you know, the kind of if you like gladiator kind of effect that Formula One has, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, really attracted me to that and you know watching that side it was kind of like if you like lighting fire if you like um you know that was my immediate reaction was like i i want to be a you know i want to be a part of that or you know achieve something you know and be involved in motorsport as a whole but yeah it was a bit like lighting a fire really so <laughs> no it's brilliant i think that's that's why partially i started the podcast was to speak to people like you that have this have this passion, this determination to succeed in motorsport and other areas of of, of the automotive um, sector in general. And awesome. so, what, what? How did that conversation go with your parents when you was like, "I want to, I want to race, I want to put my life on the line," sort of thing? How did that go? Uh, initially, they were like, you know, trying to obviously kind of slow me down a little bit. So, like, look, you know, this is a massive mountain to climb. Um, and, you know, being a bit younger, I didn't necessarily, necessarily fully understand how much of a mountain it was to climb. But you know, they were um, they were very happy that, you know, I wanted, you know, had a goal as such. And, you know, they were happy to help me as much as they could, um, you know, and support me, support me with that as well. So it was, it was if you like, um, my first major kind of interest, if you like. You know, there was obviously sports and things like that before but this was the first kind of thing that you know i was like i want to do this my attitude from the start was always like, i'd rather try than never know you have gone i want to i want to be a go-kart or to be a racer and so where was the first steps for you where did you get involved with your, your local karting track so 
So initially it was, um, so I I'm, I'm live near Milton Keynes. Um, there was a, a indoor kart circuit local to me in a place called Ellsbury. Uh, it was called Rogue Racing. Um, as I say, unfortunately, it's not it's not there anymore. They've moved premises. Um, but that was where it all started off. Um, they used to do um, a bit like kind of these like junior kind of events, uh, which consisted of like a full day you know, karting with you know, food and that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, a bit of a kind of a bit like a kids' party style, but all day and you know, mostly full of you know karting, etc. And, you know, just through that, you know, made some friends and, you know, if it, you know, built up my own skills a little bit. Obviously, that's not, it's not something that, um, you know, happens straight away. So, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, kind of doing those sort of events and some arrive and drive stuff here and there. And then someone um, who I, you know, made friends with there, recommended I uh, came along to their, their championships there. And that was kind of my first foray into racing as such. Yeah. So, how did you find the competitive nature of it at such a young age? What was was what was it like for you? Because I remember speaking to Lucas. You're in the academy with him yeah. at Team Hard, um, and he spoke about it just just being fun. Was was did you view it the same way, or did you have a slightly different view to it? Um, initially, I mean, my attraction to it was always the racing side. Um, yeah, my I yeah, don't get me wrong. I love you know being on circuit in just about anything, um, but the racing side is what I yeah what i what i do it most mostly for um you know there's something there's something about you know everyone trying trying their hardest to beat each other um and that competitive nature that comes with that is really enjoyable to me and it's something you know i might you know the enjoyment i get out of it is you know from setting setting myself a target and then beating that you know whether that be the person in front of me or you know winning the race or you know all these sort of things but that was that was my main attraction to it was the actual racing side but it's not easy particularly at a young age you know there was um i mean in karting terms i was quite a late starter but i um you know, initially once took to getting used to just you know being competitive there were fallouts and you know as it always is um but it, you quickly learn how to manage your own emotions and also to you know, put that into the racing basically um but yeah initially was was different and took some getting used to so you were racing as a sort of young kid and so where was your first sort of um i want to call it big break but where did you get noticed or your talent kind of shone above the rest i entered something called the british rental british rental car championship um, I mean, I moved outdoors from indoor casting to outdoor casting before that, you know, won races, that sort of thing. But that was probably the biggest step. Um, yeah, I was quite a small lad as well. So um, yeah, a lot of people, I used to get a lot of criticism. You know, people are like, oh, you only win because you're light and all this sort of stuff. Um, there was a lot of arguments. So I purposely wanted to do something um, that was on a level playing field, um, which BRKC offered to me. Uh, which was yeah, I would have you know be carry lead things like that um, to bring me up to a minimum weight. So it was a level playing field. And my first season, I got a lot of respect from people. I was the youngest person there, and I took championship down to the wire that year. And that was my first kind of step into national karting as well. Again, arrive and drive, um, but 
some of the talent that was in that year, for example, Brendan Hartley raced in it, um, Chris van der Drift, um, and it's run by a guy called Bradley Philpott um, and still runs it to this day. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of talent out there and a lot of people who have raced in that have gone on to win some serious championships and compete in some serious um, you know, championships around the world um, and in the UK. So that was... That was kind of personally for me. It was like, okay, I, I, I can do this sort of moment. Um, and, you know, people started talking to me about things and that sort of stuff. It kind of started to pick up a little bit from there. Yeah, so I think it's important because looking at sort of your, your self-talk there, it's it's sort of very, it's very, I can do this. And it's all about your self-determination and self-belief. And I think it's a big port a big important part of racing as a general is to you have your highs and your lows. I mean, you look at Lewis Hamilton at the moment, he's gone from winning successive championships to now being mid grid, but he's still pushing that sort of positive mindset. And I think it's something that if you're going to be in that competitive stage that you need to have. Yeah, exactly. And it's brilliant that at a young age you're carrying that with you. So where did sort of Club 100 come into it? So Club 100 was a, again, a kind of progression thing. Um, BRKC I did for or well British Rental Car Championship but BRKC for short um, there due to various reasons after a couple of years um, became a one rate like an event rather than a championship um, so that kind of left me looking for a championship to go into um, and I've done a lot of um, rather than drive four stroke stuff at this point but wanted to go into two strokes and yeah Possibly outside of looking at different options, there was Club 100 all going to club, like club racing. Um, you know, for me and my family, that was never an option, um, just due to money. Um, you know, I, was, I was very fortunate that they would they helped me with Club 100, which is, in all honesty, one of the best championships in this country. Um, again, the kind of talent that are there... Um, you know, people, a lot of people look down on arrive and drive championships as, oh, you know, just yeah, people who've dropped out of normal karting or this or that. But in reality, a lot of the time, it was some, yeah, the grids are insanely competitive. Um, I remember one round, for example, qualifying, there was two and a half tenths that covered a grid of 48 drivers. Um, so it, and the racing is intense. Um, it is, yeah, no less competitive or difficult than any other type of karting in this country or in the world. That was the appeal to me. It was something I could afford to do, um, but take a step up in you know speed, competitiveness, and you know that if you like, Club One Hundred is kind of the top ride and drive championship in this country. I as soon as I had a go in it, it was I initially struggled uh, from the transition from four stroke karts to two strokes. Let's say that although in principle, they're the same. It's just a different engine. The way you drive them is very different. Um, so it took a little bit of getting used to, but once I'd adapted, it was uh, just completely fell in love with it, really. Um, you know, the racing style and also you know, the speed difference at that age was was quite big. So it was it was really enjoyable um, and, and again a step a step up. So yeah, Briz, you constantly surround yourself with drivers and races that are we wouldn't say above your talent but are certainly pushing you to to put to, to progress and to improve and that seems to be a common theme just surrounding yourself with talent that is better than you 
so you can learn and you can develop better. So leading on to now probably the next step would be Team Hard. How did that come about? It goes back to a little bit of mindset, really. So over the years, I've done various um, scholarships, um, such as Genetic Junior Scholarship, uh, Want to Race Scholarship, um, driven some yeah, caterums and stuff like that. Um, mostly a lot of stuff was in the Genetas. Um, and even at one point did have a drive on offer to me in Genetta. Um, at the time, it was G- uh, GT Genetta Cup, I believe it was called, which was in the G40s. Um, yeah. But was just not able to put it together due to budget. I I was doing Club Landry for a long time, was competitive, but uh, was going back to the mindset thing, was struggling a little bit. You know, I was getting a little bit older. The opportunities were starting to disappear. Um, so, and I was kind of it, not in a bit of a rut, if you like. Um, you know, kind of where am I going? You know, what do I want to achieve? All this sort of stuff. Um, it's flying around in my head. And it was, I decided to take a year out and um, then see how I feel and work out what I want to do. Um, immediately, I missed racing <laughs> <laughs> and then found, uh, come across the um team hard scholarship and also in my personal life i was going through a lot of difficulties at that time um and a lot of my friends said just go for it you know i, I my i was wary of going into it you know what if i what if i fail all this sort of you know i don't want to hurt myself further but at the same time that attraction was there to go back and you know, try and win it i i went along and immediately completely felt at home with this team yeah the this the team is genuinely like a family um yeah the way people talk to you the way they are the whole vibe of the whole team and the way they run things and you know it's like a family you know felt at home and wanted to be a part of that you know i i didn't make it through in the scholarship but um there was something aaron taylor smith said at the scholarship which was always stuck with me which was he said like if i took no for an answer for every time I um, yeah, got told a no, I would not go anywhere. So even if it, even if today is no, don't accept that no. And you know, I found out a couple of weeks after you know, I hadn't made it through. Um, but looking through my feedback and the way I personally felt I did during the day, um, you know, in all areas, I felt like I did really well for, for myself. You know, I you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not. Certainly not a professional or anything like that, but that's the aim, obviously. But um, but um, I felt from what I my experience and everything else, I felt you know, I'd done well, and I kind of decided you know I'll sink my neck on the line a little bit. So I sent an email in saying, "Yeah, thank you for the feedback. I had a really really good time, and you know I'd really like to work with you with, with yourselves in the future. If it's something you'd be interested in." And a few phone calls later. Um, I spoke to Claire, um, who is an amazing woman, just saying. Um, she, you know, the amount of work she puts in and what she's created is truly quite special. Um, she's a bit like my racing mum. <laughs> <laughs> and um, put a deal together to do Brick Car. And then I was offered the opportunity, uh, a very fortunate opportunity, with um, 14 other drivers at the time to join their academy. Um, they were in their first academy as well which since then has been a bit of a whirlwind but it's honestly been incredible 
and this the team are spot on. You know, it's and it feels like the start of something something truly special. Yeah, it's brilliant to find that sort of silver lining, I guess, in the downs and the sort of knockbacks, but the ability to pick yourself up and carry on. Is that, I mean, you spoke about the difficulties. Would you mind sharing on with us what the difficulties were at that time? Yeah, that's no problem. So, um, I I won't bore you, Steph, too much with the details, but (laughs) (laughs) I, some personal life issues, um, relationships, stuff like that, um, fell apart towards the middle of last year. Um, My life at that point kind of turned upside down. Um, I... Also, not struggled, but always never been fully comfortable with my own sexuality. Um, and also, um, just like, as, as off the back of that, I also have brain disease. Um, yeah. It is quite affected to do with you know, my emotions and where my headspace is, that sort of stuff. It was all kind of a bit of a as tumbleweed effect and that combined with the racing um you know racing to me is quite emotional it was it's always you know i live and breathe motorsport um and to step away from that because i knew i needed to uh, just by kind of driving myself into a bit of a rut with things um it was a case of like wake up one day you know, spoke to some friends about everything and i was like no i'm gonna I'm going to give this a go. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and wonder what if and you know, let it beat me. I want to go out there and prove to myself I can do it and also beat my obstacles. Also. Yeah. Um, and for those, for those that don't know what Crohn's disease is, Daniel, and how hard it is to deal with, what was that like for you or what's your personal experience been with it? Um, I, I'm quite lucky compared to a lot of people. Um, you know, it can be very difficult for a lot of people um, in a number of different ways. Um, you know, for me, for example, my personal experience, I was diagnosed very young. So I think it's been a bit more of an easier kind of introduction to it than, say, someone who is who was diagnosed at my age, for example, because you're, you'd go from living quite a normal life to a very different life if that makes sense whereas for me it's been more of a gradual build up and when you're when you're younger you don't necessarily think of the bad side of things so much you just think oh I'll be alright sort of thing but as time's gone on I've paid more attention to it but it's it's always been something you know I could there's been times for example with work where I could have I probably should have stayed at home and rested but it's a case of no I'm not gonna let this stop me yeah, I'm, I purposely make myself do things to overcome that. You know, as it goes, I am quite lucky compared to a lot of people. Um, you know, I've been very well looked after by uh, doctors. Um, I'm you know, with a hospital, UCL, UCLH Hospital in London, and they're fantastic. Um, you know, they look after me very well. Um, and as a general rule, I do pretty well with it compared to some people. So, but it is also something I'm looking to hopefully raise awareness of um, through my racing as well. No, it's brilliant. You've clearly got a lot to take from dealing with Crohn's and racing as well. Is there any advice you'd give to people maybe suffering with similar diseases or things that you've learnt along the way that will help them deal with that? 
Um, probably main thing is trust how you feel, but don't. There are obviously limits to you know you've got to look after yourself, but at the same time don't um, let it beat you. Basically, um, you, you've got yeah everyone says it, but you do only live once, um, and you can't let it control your life. Um, you know if you have dreams and passions and you know you want to achieve them, go out there and do everything you can to make that happen. Don't let the illness control you let you control it if that makes sense yeah i guess the bring you back to um don't take no for an answer being being you sort of like a main philosophy that you've kind of picked up through through racing and through through dealing with the things you've dealt with so um it seems to be a running theme with you guys at team hard being some sort of that dogged determination yeah to uh (laughs) to, to push through and does that does that come from the coaching you guys received at team hard or is that just the you think the sort of the family philosophy that kind of breeds and develops that mentality? It's a bit of both. I mean, we were we were told, um, you know, the story of Team Hard and Tony in particular of how we created what we did. And you know, some some of the stories are truly unbelievable. Um, you know, you if someone just told you it down the pub sort of thing, you would you'd be like, no, that never happened. But it did, and their story is a true, you know, a true case of never give up yeah um yeah you might you have, there's so many obstacles they faced and you know look where they they are now they're now the largest race team in europe um and yeah every year is a step forward for them and that combined with the family feel is makes it yeah creates that determination basically um, yeah, the, the amount of support and help they give us in the academy is second to none. It, you know, it honestly, you know, mentioned earlier, it's like player in particular, she's like my racing mum. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, you can ask her anything. You know, I've, I've given an idea. We, you know, me and my teammate and Claire in the early days of, you know, trying to put this year together, um, we were up till two, three in the morning every night on the phone or doing this or sending emails or putting this together and you know that's it's still going on now but <laughs> but it's you know the fact that they are willing to do that for us get us on the grid that speaks volumes to their you know who they are and what they represent and you know, I think that's brilliant to be honest and in some respects not spoken about enough no I think I agree with you that it's clearly not that mentorship that seems to be so key in the sort of the academy and also just I'm guessing just in team hard racing in general and with that mentorship and stuff where would you like to see yourself maybe five ten years time goal for me has always been rich drawing cars um and you know that it could be a possibility you know that that is my ultimate goal um obviously my situation a lot of it depends on getting the budget together um, yeah, that's a, a step-by-step process, but I do, I do have some great sponsors. Um, you know, with um, Sam's Auto Electrics and A Plan Insurance, Windows Group, and Formula Fast Karting. Um, yeah, they've all been very supportive, and you know, without them, I would wouldn't be here, basically. Um, you know, but that is the ability to get these companies on board has come from you know, the team hard and what they're putting in to help us you know 
um if it wasn't if you know it's a if you like a circle of you know you've got team you know it all bounces off each other if that makes sense that makes it all come together um you know this the opportunity is you know, an idea my I've been racing for nearly 16 years and this opportunity has never come along. Um, and you know, a lot of people tell me as well, like this, this opportunity will never happen again. Um, you know, it's always unheard of in motorsport. Um, but the type of opportunities that are out there compared to this opportunity is there's, you know, it's light and day between the two and you know, the team hard. What they've put in for us is genuinely huge. They're there with us every step of the way. Um, I think, you know, out of the 14 drivers that are on the academy, I think now nine of us are now racing. Oh, wow. Probably wouldn't have been if it wasn't for them. Owing a lot to Team Hard and what they do as, as a team, as for you guys, it's really sort of inspired you to, to reach the British Tour, uh, British Touring Car Championships. Um, I mean, is, is, I mean, is Formula 3, Formula 2 off the table? Is that something you would would like to expand to using using BTCC as a um as a jump a springboard. Um I mean personally for me I lo- don't worry, I love Formula One. Um personally for me uh, my my I've always my dream's always been British touring cars and yeah Le Mans personally. Um but yeah Formula One is you know don't get me wrong every, everyone would love to be in Formula One. Um but I've always found British touring cars to be the right balance between the pure motorsport side and, the, if you like, the politics side of motorsport, if that makes sense. I think it finds the right balance between the two. Um, in terms of career opportunities as well, it is massive. Um, you know, there's, there's very few championships out there that offer the, you know, the kind of career opportunities that touring car does. Um, but in terms of pure to drive, um, single seaters are phenomenal. Um, yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to jump in a single seater one day, but certainly for me, my, my dream's always been British touring cars and to do well in British touring cars. No, brilliant. I fully support that. I think that, I think by the sounds of what you guys are going through at the moment, you'll, you'll definitely make it. So where do you see other drivers and talking to them you're looking for mentorship what advice would you give to someone maybe that like yourself in at 10 racing go-karts what advice would you give to them um i know everyone says it if you want it to happen you will find the way to make it happen um yeah in motorsport terms i'm you know 26 years old realistically my chances of a career were pretty much non-existent and if someone said to me last year I'd be sat I said this at um, HQ um, on the intro day we had you know so if someone said to me this time last year I'd be sat in this situation at Team Hard's headquarters with a race drive um, and part of their academy I would have I would have laughed (laughs) (laughs) and I am genuine proof that you know anything is possible if you want to go out there and achieve it Um, you know never give up keep biting no matter how hard it gets because um, there will be a lot of you know, dark days and tears and you know but they make you stronger so never don't again don't let them beat you 
um you know and the opportunities are there if you go looking for it and put yourself out there so yeah brilliant daniel i mean we've talked a lot about your your racing career and your your ability to speak to no end about your pushing through challenges you face but in your personal life what are your what are your um, goals there what would you like to see for yourself out, outside of racing in maybe five ten years time um i mean for me my exact kind of goals at the moment are not not necessarily decided um like literally as we're speaking today i've just taken the decision to go self-employed um with one of my sponsors um and he's a host friend of mine and I'll be working with him um, as like my main job. But obviously, due to being self-employed, that frees up a lot of time for me to put into the racing side of things. You know, I'm hoping to get my instructor's license this year um, and slowly build up that side of things. Um, and also, me and my friend and sponsor, we spoke a little bit about possibly you know, building a race team. Um, yeah, all these things are kind of ideas at the moment, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, the ultimate game and you know, goal in the next five, six years or so is to hopefully be able to be professional, instructing and racing and all all things motorsport, basically. Talking more about racing, but more racing is your life seems to seems to be motorsport to take, to take over most people's lives at this point. It's sort of an all encompassing force. Yes, it's. Um, it's it will surprise you if you know coming into it you know for me for example motorsport was always a yeah everything to me anyway but it was always the driving side whereas this is you know a lot of late nights you know blood sweat and tears you know there will again not even over the last six months there's been some serious down moments of i'm not going to do this or you know this isn't going to happen um but you know again some you'll you can find a way through it, through it nine times out of ten, um, but it is hard work. Um, you know, I, I knew it would be difficult, but I didn't realise how much would go into it. If that makes sense, the more and more involved in it, you see how much people give up to make it all happen. You know, and I, I think mean, that's brilliant. It's a great world to be part a part of, but it, it's it's definitely tiring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost kind of quite humbling to think of the amount of people that are willing to give up that time to make sure that you're having the best shot at making it in racing. I can't, you know, the word, you can't really put into words how, from my experience, I can't really put into words how thankful I am to a lot of people. You know, it, you know it, without you know, the team, you know, Claire, Tony, and everyone involved in the team, you know, for example, um, I was helping out doing hospitality at Donington Park a couple of weeks ago, um, all of which are, apart from one person, I volunteered. Um, you know, we were there, we were up at seven in the morning and we were there till about 10 o'clock at night on Sunday. And they were still working well into, you know, Monday afternoon, getting everything packed away to get ready. And, you know, it, it is, every single person is a part of, you know, everyone to go racing. You know, whether that's British touring cars, whether that's what I race, or whether that's, you know, rhyme and drive karting, you know, I wouldn't have started racing without my mum and dad. 
Um, I went, I've got into cars without Team Hard or my sponsors. Um, you know, and at the end of our first round, for example, we got everyone together for a photo. Um, and the amount of people that are in that photo truly brings it home how much everybody, everyone who's there enables you know me and my teammates to go get on track in a car. And words don't really do it justice to how much work they put in and how thankful I am to them. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's emotional talking about it because I remember how it felt at the time and how it still feels now. But you know, I, want, I want to do well for them as well, you know, as well as myself. It is a team sport, you know, and that includes everyone. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for honesty, Daniel. I think it really speaks, speaks to you as a person and to how you're not only inspired by the people around you and the people that have helped you along the way, but you, you are your own self, a inspiration to others. And just to take it away from the sort of emotion, I've got some, some lighthearted questions I sort of like to ask near the end. And the first one being sort of like a, like a three car garage. So you've got a race car, maybe a street modified car and a car that you'd use for their dailies. What would those three cars be? Race car would probably be the Volvo Super Toro. Nice. What what is that for? Lash Team Hot from. I don't know. There's something, again, the touring car thing, there's something about Super Touring era that just screams to me, if that makes sense. Um, and I, to me, the Volvo always stood out in that era. And with the with the new, yeah, the new Cooper in particular, obviously, that's, that's where I want, want to sit one day. Um, and also... The whole kind of British touring car vibe is, um, yeah, that's that's where I want to be and they're the cars I want to drive sort of thing. So I'd have a hard time choosing between the two of them. But that, that would be the race car option. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, for the street? If you like, a fun car would probably be my current car, which is a FK2 Type R. Nice. Um, which I love to pieces. <laughs> and then... Uh, a daily would probably be an old E34 5 Series saloon. Probably a 540i or something like that. Nice. I'm on Are you a little BMW fanboy at heart or is that sort of JDM thing kind of kind of taking over your heart there? Oh, I'm a bit of all sorts. Um, I, don't, I don't like kind of mainstream stuff. So. <laughs> well, I said that just fits 5 Series out, but... <laughs> But um, yeah, I like I don't know. I prefer the older stuff to the newer stuff. But let's say I'd have a hard time choosing between the between BMW and Honda. <laughs> yeah, I um, you mentioned you mentioned Spa as a, as a racetrack you'd like to visit. Um, what have you had? If you had one car and one track or road to drive, where would you go? Can race cars be allowed on the road for this question? <laughs> yeah, for the for the for the uh, hypothetical world that we're living in, yes. Yeah, I know, I know it's not included in my garage, but I would probably take a. I think now. It's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> it is <laughs> the DB9 GT3 car from the Mon, the V12 one. Um, I would do a road trip to Spa drive around Spa and then do a lap of Spa. By, well, possibly via the Nürburgring on them at some point during that. 
I mean, it sounds like you'd be deaf Probably. the entire way <laughs> there and back. And poor. <laughs> and poor, yeah, the petrol probably ruined it. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, and this, I've got a couple of questions that I'm starting to ask racing drivers as a whole. Um, what's the most important mod you could do for a race car? What, what do you think makes the most impact on track? Brakes. It's all a big collection of both, but if you don't have confidence on the brakes, you won't be quick. That was probably probably my biggest thing. <laughs> and does that does that come from karting, or does that come from the cars you're currently driving? Uh, both, and also cars I currently drive. I've driven two different brake combinations, and there was it was like a massive change for me for the better the second time around. So. <laughs> Yeah, and if there's one skill you could learn to improve your driving, what would it be? Probably completely trusting the limit, if that makes sense. I'm I'm still quite new to cars, obviously, so yeah, it's um, finding that limit and being completely comfortable on the limit. Well, the only way to find the limit, Daniel, is, is to go past it. <laughs> so true. It, it just sends cost money at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking at a very expensive skill to learn yeah <laughs> brilliant um well thank you so much for this daniel it's been a pleasure to speak to you and i've really enjoyed sort of learning more about your journey and your story as a whole and i think it will be an inspiration to people listening that, that what you're doing is attainable to anyone at any age and there's no reason why you can't pick up racing at any point in your life exactly that. and thank you for having me as well it's been it's been awesome to talk to you as well and uh yeah, like like you said it's anything is out there if, if people want to achieve it so go for it basically motorsport is a tricky one isn't it if it's not the finances it's the mentality towards the racing itself it's a constant battle and it's the reason why i think we look towards these f1 drivers and f2 and these single seat races as gladiators they're people we look up to and they're people that we admire for put the determination and for putting their lives on the line now, speaking to Daniel, it really has opened up my eyes, along with Tom as well. The trials and tribulations these racing drivers go through on a daily basis and the struggles that the 3 a.m. draws for trying to get sponsors and the worries these drivers go through. I hope that Daniel in the future is dealing with this well and he gets to where he wants to be. I want to thank you guys as well for consistently listening to the podcast, for giving me something to inspire because that's the reason I started this podcast. The podcast is for you. It's to inspire you to do more with that passion. Say you think you're in Daniel's shoes and you're maybe a bit older, you've missed the boat, you haven't. And I want to speak to more people to inspire those that maybe think, oh, I love cars, what do I do? And the confusion around it. And it's all part of that which makes this podcast worth it for me. I've got some amazing guests coming up in the future and listening give that follow give us a subscribe on youtube and we've got a tiktok as well if all you want is these small clips so thank you very much i'm harry and this is the ignition podcast thank you for listening thank you for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed it as much as i did please share it with three people that you know that love cars as much as you do i would really appreciate it